getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and Nick and special guest Cameron Parker discuss the top non-quarterback options for the first round for the Denver Broncos, those players' strengths and weaknesses, and what they would bring to the Denver Broncos. This is the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I'm your host, Carl Dummler. And of course, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. And ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by another good friend of ours, Cam Parker. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. You know, I, I feel like I've been podcasting for like five straight days. But no, I, I'm doing well. I, luckily, you know, when you do those podcasts five straight days, you know, you, there there might that there might be that tendency that you lose your voice, and well, I, I haven't reached that point yet, so we're good. I don't think I could ever lose my voice. I could talk forever. I mean, I used to always get my report cards when I was a kid. I'd get straight A's or pluses or whatever you want to call them, and but I'd have comments, and it would say excessive talking. So I was uh, born to do this, you could say. So I'm ready, and it, I mean, draft is right around the corner, so we're get, actually getting in an extra episode for all you listeners. So. Be thankful that the weather is bad and we're all stuck inside, at least in, on my end. I know Carl's about to blow away in Kansas. Yeah, we uh, we have blizzard warnings here. We were supposed to have prom this weekend in our town, and they had to postpone prom. That's how bad it got. Mm. So uh, they, they were doing dinner at my church. So the whole church is decorated in prom stuff. And yeah, they, they won't be able to use it till till tomorrow. So uh, yeah, I'm wondering how my congregation is going to respond to all this fancy dinnerware all around the church. But uh, we're here. We're here and we're excited to talk NFL draft. And I just I I couldn't be more excited when you messaged us and said, hey, anybody want to talk some football today? And I just this weekend, I feel rejuvenated. Listen to some some 90s and early 2000s music with my wife for for quite a few hours last night. And man, I'm just like, let's do this. So very, very excited. Yeah. Uh, I know the feeling I I'm doing mock drafts galore on my show. Like I'm basically dedicating my show, like the old mock drafts and Nick was part of it uh, for the second mock draft. And I mean, doing mock drafts basically from the start of April to now, I just want it to be the draft. Like really like right now. I can understand that it gets tough when you're, you're picking about the same players most times. 
And uh, it, it's hard to, to mix those up. But anyway, the Huddle Up 2018 draft show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the upcoming NFL draft in two weeks. With Nick and myself and, of course, Cameron, being Draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting reports like today, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH and Cam at Cameron Parker PO. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. And we wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time. Go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, lo- I love this time of year, obviously, with the NFL draft. But one of the, the big things that is always happening right now is this is the, the season of lies when it comes to, to football. There's new information that's put out there every single day. It seems like the top five changes all the time. A month ago, it was that Sam Darnold was the obvious first quarterback. There's no way that he's not going to be the first quarterback. Now there's talk of Josh Allen going first. Giants, who are they going to take? Jets, obviously, they traded up. Which quarterback do they like? Browns, would they be willing to trade out of that fourth spot? Bills, Miami, Arizona, who's trying to get into that top four to get ahead of the Broncos? And, of course, the Broncos. I mean, there's tons of stuff. I think it was Ian Rappaport said that he doesn't think the Broncos will take a quarterback at pick five. There's others. I know Benjamin Albright has kind of talked that he thinks Broncos really love Quentin Nelson, and that's the direction they're going to go. It just – who knows? Right now, it just seems like nobody knows how this top five is going to go. And I mean, even even pick number one, usually by this point, we kind of know who's at least going pick number one. We don't know that this year. At least I don't. Do you guys know? I still think it'll be Darnold. But honestly, it could be Allen as well, which would be incredible. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, same. I I think it's Darnold, but I mean, you, you know, that's the beauty of the draft. You know, I say it all the time as my introduction to when I do my mock draft uh, shows. It's the ultimate poker game because you have no idea. We can do all the mock drafts in the world, but we we don't exactly know where it will uh, line up eventually. I mean, best possible outcome of who we think is going to be picked is when that actual card is sent in and the pick is announced. I mean, that's the, about the only way. We'll actually know who is the actual pick, especially in this draft where there's just a lot of question marks about, uh, along the board of who will go where. Definitely. Well, we thought we'd we, we've talked a lot of quarterbacks because that's obviously the most important position in the NFL, maybe even more than than head coach. I mean, there's always that debate in, in New England of who's more important, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady to the success of the Patriots. I, I don't know where you guys stand, but we'll, we'll kind of leave that in behind right now. But with two weeks out, there is a real possibility that quarterbacks go top three, that the three quarterbacks the Broncos don't like, or the three quarterbacks the Broncos do like are all gone, and we get to that, that fifth pick, 
and the Broncos are left without a quarterback option. And in that scenario, we wanted to talk about some of these top guys and where we think they would fit, how they would fit, strengths, weaknesses, what they bring to the table, just the, the whole picture of what these kind of players are and where we would be willing to take them in the draft and how happy or sad or mad or whatever you want to call it, we would actually be if they were the pick. And I know, Nick, you are one that if it's not a quarterback, you're going to be pretty upset. I mean, but but we maybe we can find a guy that you could not be exactly ecstatic and running down the streets uh, saying that we're going streaking, but <laughs> at least maybe doing a fist, fist pump that this is the guy that the Broncos got. And, and so let's let's start with one of the, the main guys. A lot of people seem to really be linking to the Broncos because they have a, a need and he is maybe one of the best, if not the best player in this draft, maybe the safest player. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But this guy, Quentin Nelson, who is an offensive guard from Notre Dame. He is six foot five, 329 pounds, has 33 and three fourths inch arms, 10 and three inch hands. At the, the NFL Combine, he put up 35 on the bench press, had a 26.5 inch vertical, 105 inch broad, 7.65 second three cone, and a 4.62 20 yard sh- shuttle. And I, I guess, Nick, how about you start with this? What, what are your thoughts here? on Quentin Nelson. How much do you like him, not like him? What are your thoughts here? I really like Quentin Nelson. He's probably the my second favorite guard I have scouted since I've started doing this. I mean, he doesn't really have a true weakness to his game other than the fact that he is a guard. Uh, he mauls people in the run game. He's very technical. I mean, that dude's got huge, heavy hands. I mean, when he gets his mitts on you, you don't get off. I and mean, he can move you up at the point of attack. He's mean. He's smart. I mean, he's 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 everything you're looking for at a guard. I don't think he is an elite athlete for the position. I think he's efficient. He's an efficient mover when he is asked to pull block, uh, get to the second level, even get out the hash marks. But you're not seeing highlights of him running 20, 30 yards down the field like we used to see guys like Brandon Scherf and Zach Martin, You know, two of the probably the highest rated guards to be drafted in the last five years. He's a, he's a different level athlete than those guys. I think he's stronger. He's bigger. He's better inside in that regard. You know, he can move guys off the point of attack, but he's not an elite athlete. So if the Broncos take him at five, I understand it. I mean, pairing a guy like Nelson with Bowles, I mean, you're, you're setting up the offensive line for the next five years where you're going to have at least two above average, maybe even better guys. I mean, I still have pretty high hopes for Bulls in that regard. And then you get a guy like Nelson on the inside. I mean, you're you're plugging in. You're not worried about that position. I just don't know if it's the best use of the fifth pick when you have so many other guys on the inside that, honestly, just because of athleticism and whatnot and, you know, getting it in the right spot might end up better picks. Not Not necessarily better players, but if you're taking a guard end of round one, top of round two, compared to taking one of the top five, I mean, if, even if they have relatively similar careers, I'm taking the guy who went later because it's just such better value. Cam, let me ask you this question. He is six foot five, has that 33 and a half or 33 and three fourths inch arms, 10 and three eighths inch hands. 
And there has been some talk in the NFL that there are some teams looking at him to maybe make that switched offensive tackle, mm-hmm. which I mean, that that would increase his value. One, to have that kind of versatility and two tackles are just more valued. Although in the NFL today, if you're looking at contracts, guards are, are catching up. But still that offensive tackle, that's been a, a position of of. Of question now, obviously with the Broncos because they just got their their right tackle through a trade, so he would obviously start at guard. But could you ever see the possibility that the Broncos would be looking at him as that offensive tackle? I think they could. Seriously, think about it. I mean, I, he's he's athletic enough. Clearly, if the Broncos do in fact love Quentin Nelson, it isn't the fact that they love Quentin Nelson just because he's a guard. And I, you know, and I, I don't like the narrative where he is just a guard, where where people just view him as a guard. Like Nick said, he may not get down the field for 20 yards down the field, but, I mean, he's still athletic enough, I think, that on the initial reaction when the ball snapped that he has that – I mean, there was that one video, I can't remember who who did it, but where I think a pass rusher was coming from his right – from the right side, and he saw it out of the corner of his eye and knocked the guy in his butt. I mean, he has that type of quickness and reaction – um, where it's not 20 yards down the field, but it's it's enough of a reaction to the point where he can still, you know, keep his quarterback safe. And I think that that has to be strongly considered. And I think that the Broncos, that's probably why the Broncos really do strongly view Quentin Nelson as a possibility at five because of exactly that. I mean, you know, and especially if you think of Jared Valdir, I mean, he's it was a great trade in essence because like Elway's always done, he – like to secure question marks a, time, a good amount. So, but he's also nearing the end of, or he's he's nearing the end of his career, I should say. And so, I think that for the Broncos and, and getting Quentin Nelson, it just it allows that flexibility, which flexibility, versatility, which you know has been Elway's strong suit when looking at offense alignment. And so, Quentin Nelson definitely kind of fits that bill. Nick, let me ask you this. Is Quentin Nelson the surest bet in the NFL draft this year? You know what? I'm going to go with no because it, defensive players tend to hit at a higher rate than offensive players. I don't know why that is, but there are stats out there to prove that. I mean, a lot of early offensive line picks don't hit. I mean, quarterbacks as well, obviously. But in the last, I think it was 20 years, I saw a study that actually guard in the top 10 has a higher bust rate than quarterback, believe it or not. Granted, the sample size is putrid. And when you have Chance Waremark and Jonathan Cooper up there, both of those guys, massive busts in the top 10, that definitely has an impact on that small sample size and the, the rate. But I don't. I feel like he is the safest bet to be good, but I feel like there is a strong chance that he doesn't live up to the expectations as well. In fact, I would say that out of any player to not live up to expectations in this draft, it's Quentin Nelson because he's getting built up to this, I mean, plug-and-play write him in for the hall of fame, get him measured up for that gold jacket day one player. And I think, I think he can be, I think he can be a hall of fame guard, but the, the expectations are unreal for an interior offensive lineman this high. So he, if any, it's almost like the, to the point where if he doesn't end up a hall of fame guard, you spend that point on him. It's a disappointment. And that those level of expectations are concerning in my opinion, you know, granted, I, I think he's going to be great. And I understand you bring him in and you pair that demeanor with Bulls, you know, you have an offensive line of Bulls, Leary at left guard, Paradis, 
And then uh, on the right side, Nelson and Beldier. I mean, that's that's a killer offensive line. That's an offensive line that could be top 10 in the NFL next year. Next year, top 10 in the NFL for the Broncos, which is something, I mean, gosh, when was the last time the Broncos had a top 10 offensive line? I feel like it was Clady and Ryan Harris's second year. Those that, that was a really good offensive line. Chris Cooper on the inside. So that would be good. I just, I mean, how great would also Will Hernandez at right guard, Billy Price, Austin Corbett, Isaiah Wynn. I think all those guys could potentially do something like that. Not to the level of Nelson, but you're not using a top five pick. So, I mean, I get it. I understand it. I mean, he makes the Broncos offensive line nasty. He makes them a focal point and a offense defining unit. But as a top five pick, he pretty much has to end up a Hall of Fame player to be worth that selection. Right. That That's the, the issue. I mean, he's coming in, like you said, with those kind of expectations. But as a team, you you obviously you need that for him to, to pay off what you're going to be paying him as a top five pick. And, and we're going to talk about this a lot throughout today. But when you look at the contract that they're getting compared to the position that they play, such as the next guy we're going to talk about here, Saquon Barkley, he's going to be a top five paid ta- or running back if the Broncos take him at five. Well, is he automatically day one, a top five running back in the NFL to make that worth it? And we've seen other running backs that were taken top five. How much did they really increase the, the ability of the team to win? And it's going to be the same with Quentin Nelson is if you're taking a top five guy, you need this guy to be a, a, a team defining player that everybody else rallies around. Everybody else looks to and says, this guy goes out and does this. I need to match that intensity. I need to match that ability. And, and again, I, I, I love Quentin Nelson. I've loved him since the beginning. I think Nick, you had some, some questions early on that the more you watched him, the more you started liking, liking him just because you, you, I think you are big on positional value, probably yeah. more than, than anybody I know. And, and I can't blame you because it, it does matter when it comes to the NFL. But the more you watch Quentin Nelson, the more you just see this guy is, is a bona fide star. He's one of those guys that has earned his right to be taken in a top five pick, top 10 pick. But again, it's just, can the Broncos get better value? Can the Broncos get more win possibilities from another position just by adding that player? And guard is just not one of those positions that you look at and say, we had a great guard and our team all of a sudden wins 10 games. I don't think you can really say that. So uh, it's it's tough. I I wouldn't be upset if the Broncos got Quentin Nelson because like you said, it helps to really fill out the entire offensive line. You have starter quality players at every single position on the offensive line. And that's something the Broncos have not been able to say in a long time. And like you said, if they can have that top 10 type unit, they can do a lot of good things. But I also look at the Dallas Cowboys when Tony Romo went down before they got Dak Prescott and they still had a top 10 offensive line. They still had a running back that went for a thousand yards, but they were a bottom 10 NFL team because they just were not getting the production from the quarterback position. They were not getting the the production from from the defense that they needed to actually go out and win games. So again, as great as having a top 10 offensive line is, it's not the end all be all of, of being able to go out there and win. Yeah. I'll take a great coach quarterback or front four over a great offensive line personally. 
That's just me. Agreed. Agreed completely. Well, let's let's keep moving on here because we do have a long list of guys that could be really considered for that that fifth overall pick for the Broncos. And this next one is a guy that I mean, he is he's considered by many to be the the top prospect in this NFL draft. He is a guy that I mean, if you were building a football player in the lab, this is the guy that would come out of that lab, and that is Saquon Barkley, running back for Penn State, six foot. 233 pounds, 31 and 3 eighths inch arms, nine and a half inch hands, ran a, a 4440, bench pressed 29 times, has a 41 inch vert. And just to, to put that into some perspective, he benched more times than Joe Thomas, ran faster than Devin Hester, and has a vertical that's higher than Julio Jones. He also set the record as a running back with a 405 pound power clean at Penn State. And I, I don't know how much how much do you guys work out in the gym? Are you guys big time lifters? I, I, I know that I work out, but that's kind of on my way to Cinnabon. So, <laughs> yeah, I like to do the uh, the arm curl where it's a uh, beer in my hand to mouth. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I know, especially if it's got a good hop uh, portfolio underneath the nose. But we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll save the craft beer talk for yeah, yeah. another time. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I used to do weightlifting when I was in, in high school uh, where I was going for, for records. And uh, I have to say, I do own the state record in Kansas for 155 pounds and less on the squat. Wow. Yes. Good for you. I set my elementary school sit and reach record. Ooh, so yeah, look, you. it wasn't because I was flexible. Uh, my family, all of us have when, before we hit puberty, freakishly long arms. So I was one of those people who like Carlton Davis in this draft could scratch my knees without bending over as <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing to do with flexibility. Just uh, I could just reach across. So it helped in basketball until everybody else got really tall. There you go. Well, like I said, Saquon Barkley, one of those guys just built in the, the lab for the NFL and just freakish athlete. I mean, his, his speed, his size, his jukes, his everything. I mean, his favorite player growing up was Barry Sanders. And you can see a lot of Barry Sanders in his game of his ability just to make people miss and to, mm-hmm. to turn a, a negative two yard run into a 90 yard run. I mean, that that's the, the ability that he has. But I guess when, when I'm watching Saquon Barkley, I, I, I'm just going to put this out there. Then you guys can respond to this. It seems like it's home run or just not a whole lot at all. That is called feast or famine, my friend. There it is. Yes, he has that to his game, and I, you always think of the, those those running backs that just like I'm trying to think uh, the Bills running back, Lashawn McCoy. Lashawn McCoy. There you go. I mean, and this that's usually one of his big comparisons when teams are looking at him, and and I, I can see it a lot because Lashawn McCoy he has that ability just to. Like I said, turn a negative two yard play into a 90 yard touchdown. And you're just going, man, that guy just did it by himself. I mean, he just made something happen out of nothing. And it's it's great to have that on your team. You need something like that. I mean, that spark that can just completely turn a game around. But at the same time, LaShawn McCoy can have those times where he doesn't keep his offense on on schedule. Because he's trying to do almost a little too much trying to bounce it outside when there's a four yard run up the middle because he wants more. He wants that big play. And, and I see that here with Saquon Barkley some, and uh, I guess I just want to get your guys' opinion on that. What, what do you think of, 
of that kind of comparison, that kind of thought process when you're looking at this guy? Well, I know for me, um, I, it's funny that, you know, he's, he said himself, Barry Sanders, because uh, me and being the, the lofty person that I was, I actually did see a lot of Barry Sanders in his game just because he has the ability to make people miss. And, you know, Eric and I were talking about it on the podcast that I did recently and with Saquon and he's, he in some ways is that new wave NFL um, where, you know, it's guys like Le'Veon Bell, guys like Christian McCaffrey that have the ability to literally stop for half a second and see holes develop and make them pay for it. Now, that in, in some ways is a once-in-a-generation running back, and and I think that Saquon Barkley is kind of that once-in-a-generation running back. But unfortunately, the, the, the problem that I have with Saquon Barkley – potentially at five or in the top 10 is the fact that the running back class is so deep. And to that matter, that there are players that could potentially be better than him. You know, you you think of guys like Ronald Jones, for example. So, I mean, just so there are potential players that could end up being a better prospect than him just because of how deep the running back class is. I really like Saquon Barkley. However, to me, he is the type of player that you don't take unless, A, you already have that quarterback there that can utilize a guy like that, or, B, you have a fantastic offensive line. And right now, I don't think the Broncos really have either of those. I mean, some people really trust Case Keenum. I'm not in that camp. I think he's going to be fine, but I think you're severely capped with him and I get the argument for adding players around him, but you know what? I'd rather make it so that way he doesn't have to get hit as much offensive line or he doesn't have to score as much defense. So personally, I probably don't take Saquon Barkley at five. I don't think he is a generational running back just because generational would probably mean best running back I've seen. And he's not even the best one I've seen in the last three years. As far as a prospect, I would definitely take, Ezekiel Elliott over him if we're talking just purely on the field stuff that said Saquon Barkley is a an A plus human being he is going to be a leader in the weight room as talked about but not just there like in the community I mean he is literally like everybody talks about him as like a saint a fantastic person that's gonna just not not only you know bring help you on the locker room but bring a lot to your community so that, that's a big part of it as well. I just, again, pointing back, also bringing it back to what Cam said, it's a pretty good running back class. And who were the best rookie running backs last season? I mean, as good as Fournette and McCaffrey were, I would say that Dalvin Cook, before he got hurt, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were better running backs. And not only that, but better values. I mean, they didn't go top 10. So I, as Barkley would be a lot of fun and probably makes the Broncos offense next year better than any other pick they could make at five. However, long-term looking at this team, you know, thinking beyond 2018 and the running with considering the running back shelf life and everything and the depth of this class, I personally would not lean that way. And I would see, you know, if the Broncos aren't taking a quarterback at five, I would see if a team picking in the top 10 was interested in coming up to get him because there are teams that I think could really utilize him. Yeah. And I think too, to that matter, I mean, Barkley's for the Broncos sake. I mean, they, for some reason, they, I think they seem like they are also a little too high on Devontae Booker, which would, 
you know, lean towards them, maybe not strongly considering Barkley, but I mean, I'm sure they're considering him, but not just to that word phrase of strongly considering him. Well, it's it's Gary Kubiak running the draft. And Gary has made a career out of finding running backs late in the draft or undrafted and turning them into thousand yard runners. So it's very hard for me to see that Saquon Barkley would be the pick. Again, he's one of those guys that I'd kind of go, okay. I mean, he's a talented player. You you just added a very, very talented player to your team. There's like, I'm kind of with Nick on this, that there's some other running backs that I would maybe have had ranked ahead of him. If you've been with us for a long time, you might remember an episode last year with Nick and I, where we both gushed for our love for Fournette and just couldn't believe that there is a running back that can be that size, that fast, that strong and, and be able to do what he can do. And even there though, Jacksonville, they went three and O when Fournette was hurt this last year. So how much value did he really add to their team? I'm not saying that he wasn't valuable. I'm not saying that he wasn't good because I believe that he is a fantastic running back. And I still believe that. I mean, he had what I think two or three of the top five uh, top end speeds in the NFL last year. I, I can't remember what it was, but I mean, he was top two, top three and in, in just overall speed, his power, his ability to make something out of nothing. I mean, there's a lot to like there, but, but again, there's other positions that just add a lot more value to your team that can impact a game a lot more than, than a running back can. I, I look at Adrian Peterson, maybe the, the best running back of the last, what, 20 years? I mean, at least of our generation. Right. Well, I mean, I, I'm a little bit older than you guys, so, I mean, Terrell Davis was still part of my generation. Well, I mean, I'm 30, so I kind of like fall into that. Yeah, I get. Well, I'm 31, so I guess we're both right there. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. we were, we were. He was right yeah. at the beginning where we're still trying to figure out football and True. trying to actually yeah. understand the game. And yeah. Smith was there. Barry Sanders, he was there too. And but anyway, but I mean, actual guys that we've really been able to see big yeah. time and and watch a lot of their games. Adrian Peterson, but again from Minnesota, and, and part of that is. They just didn't build teams around him. It's kind of like the Joe Thomas argument. Cleveland did a terrible job building a team around him or changing the culture from a very losing culture to to anything. So there, there's more beyond just that player and their impact in the game. But again, just to be able to completely change a, a franchise, there, there's certain players that can really do that. I look at Von Miller and what he just completely did for our defense, where mm-hmm. they went from laughing stock before the, before he got there to when he was playing all of a sudden they are just top 10 just by his addition to the team yeah you know the gone are the days of should we have picked marcel darius or should we have picked uh von miller i mean it's pretty obvious right i mean he's he's that kind of impact player it's just crazy how much he changes the game just by him being on the field but but again it's just that value question top five are you willing to take a running back? Is this the guy you really, because the Broncos, how often have they picked top five? Not very often in their, their history. Now, yes, this is the the second time in the last 10 years, but you're hoping that you're not going to be in that top five very often. And so you're wanting to make sure you get the biggest impact possible from that kind of player. And 
again, Saquon Barkley, lots of talent, but there are some questions. He, there, there are some weaknesses to his game. Uh, one of the big ones that I noticed was he had 23 games in his college career without 100 yards rushing compared to 15 where he was over 100 yard, yards rushing. And, and a lot of those games where he was under 100 yards, he still got plenty of carries. He just wasn't hitting that big play. And some of that, again, it was talent around him. Penn State didn't have the greatest offensive line. They didn't have the greatest quarterback, wide receiver threats, anything like that. But, but again, if you're talking generational talent, there's just times where he just wasn't that player. Teams can load the box, and he he struggled at times. So I, I don't know. I, I, I also question that this is my final question with him before we move on. Do you believe this current Broncos coaching staff would actually know how to use a running back like him? I don't know. Um, for me, it's it's all. I just think that we've already seen Devontae Booker, and Devontae Booker was. It, I mean, you look at the the college tape versus what he did or what he's done in the pros, and he was a he was a much different type of running back in in college when he was with Utah. I mean, he was a very athletic, very Arian Foster type-esque running back, which is probably why Gary Kubiak and the staff was so in, enamored with him. Um, but then you go into the pros and with, with Booker and he's just, he's basically made himself into something that he's not, which is just a, which is fine. I mean, if he felt like his weakness was running downhill versus, you know, running East and West, that's, that's fine. But, making a living out of it you know it's it's albert einstein himself that said that doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result i mean that's the definition of insanity i'm not i'm not implying that Devonte booker is insane but um it's just you know it, it gets old after a while and we both i think we all of us know that Devonte booker at least is a decent enough athlete and i think that he should maybe experiment a little bit more like he was in college and so but it's also the staff and um who they have i think they're well and maybe it's probably the past staff too but i don't know it's uh i'm kind of the mixed bag but at least with saquon and being the picket five i don't there's just a lot of other needs too that the broncos certainly have nick how do you feel about this coaching staff and and saquon barkley I think he is a type of player that you need to be intelligent about how you use him. He's not a guy that you want to bang between the tackles 25 times a game. You know, you want to get him 15 carries, some of that zone stretch, you know, some of that outside, maybe some power with a pulling guard. But then you also want to get him outside the hash marks, you know, get him on a reverse even, get him get him in slot, let him be a matchup guy against a linebacker. So I'm not sure what exactly Musgraves is going to bring this year. It's going to be dependent on how they fill out this offense with the draft and what's remaining a free agency. But I, I think Barkley's a guy that the coaching staff would look better because he's there. But are they going to use him to his full potential? I'm not sure. All right. Well, let's keep moving on here. And this is the, this next guy. He is one that we we know the Broncos are very high on. They love this guy, and and there's good reason to really love this guy. And, and all these guys I, I know are very high on the Broncos board, but Roquan Smith, linebacker for Georgia, six foot one, 236 pounds, 32 inch arms, 10 inch hands, 
and ran a 4-5-1-40 at this past combine. This is a guy that can can fly all over the field, make plays. He's instinctive, athletic. He's just that that combination you really like and in, in that that middle linebacker, that inside linebacker for your team. And he just he showed it well in college. He was captain this last year for his team, won the Butkus Award for top linebacker. Obviously has that speed with that four five one forty defensive player of the year in the SEC, which joins guys like Patrick Peterson, Eric Berry, C.J. Mosley, which his positional coach used to coach C.J. Mosley. And he said that Roquan Smith really reminds him of C.J. Mosley. He said they are very, very close and what they bring to the table and, and what he saw in college. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty good Pro Bowl player in the NFL right now. And a guy that brings some some leadership as well, defensive captain, and uh, it just about most things that you really like. He's a sideline to sideline player, can actually do well in coverage. Uh, I guess well, Nick, I'll start with you on this one. What do you like? What do you dislike about Roquan Smith? Roquan Smith has the most important traits that you're looking for in an off-ball linebacker. He has incredible instincts and read and react ability. Watching his tape, you hardly ever see him in the wrong spot or take false steps. I mean, he is just flowing with his hair on fire, sideline to sideline, able to cut off guys. I mean, watching him play Oklahoma this year in the Rose Bowl was amazing. In the first half, I thought he was a little bit, I wouldn't say sluggish, but he was getting eaten up, which one his biggest weakness is that if you run right at him, if you get offensive linemen on him because the defensive line isn't eating those guys up, he can get washed out. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. But the second half, he was getting through garbage. He was making plays behind the line of scrimmage outside the hash marks as a linebacker. I mean, it was it was incredible. And he's apparently an incredibly intelligent guy, a great leader. And I, I am very – I was definitely a Tremaine Edmonds guy at first. But speaking with some people with who are better in the know as far as linebacker goes – especially when it comes to instincts and read and reactability. Roquan is head and shoulders above Tremaine Edmonds right now. And if the Broncos did take him, he I, I love Brandon Marshall. I think Todd Davis has a role. I'm not sure exactly what Sua Craven is going to be, you know, dimebacker, linebacker, safety type. But if the Broncos got Roquan Smith, I am 100% sure that he would be the best off-ball linebackers the Broncos have had since Al Wilson. Wow, that's uh, that's big, big talk there. Yeah. I mean, he is so good. I mean, he's a new age linebacker. I think he is, you know, you mentioned CJ Mosley. I think he's a better athlete than CJ Mosley. He moves better in space. And I think he's the type of guy, you know, you see all these guys like Christian McCaffrey coming into the league now and Alvin Kamara and these matchup tight ends. You got to have guys that can match up with those guys. Roquan Smith is the answer. That's the type of guy you need. So I am, I'm very much intrigued by him. I think five is a little bit high just a little bit high for him. But if the Broncos could trade back and stay in the top 10 and still get him, I mean, that's, uh, he's not, he's has more positional value than a guard or a running back. It's still not, you know, edge rusher, quarterback, offensive tackle. What's the last one? Cornerback. But I mean, he's, I think he's a hell of a player and Broncos are quite high on him. Cam, do you see him the same way? You know, uh, in, in some ways for the Broncos at five in particular, you know, in some ways, there's a lot of similarities between Roquan Smith and Saquon Barkley. 
just just for this, and it's just for the simple argument that the linebacker position is in some ways kind of like the running back position. It's you know it's it's a pretty deep linebacker class. So if the Broncos were to not take Roquan Smith, it's not the end of the world because you can get a guy like Leighton Vander Esch if he doesn't you know surprise people and get into the first round, which he might. I mean, he's I getting. Think, some, I think he will. Wait, right. But you can get a guy like Fred Warner. You can get a guy like Josie Jewell. Um, you know, guys that are there later. But then jo- and Jewell came in for a visit, um, and Jerome Baker as well. But anyway, um, but Roquan Smith. You know, to Roquan Smith though, he he's that old school, new school type linebacker, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's that guy that is ferocious for basically. That is an instinctual linebacker. Um, he. He basically he's one of those players that you know if you basically have the the cerebralness of a linebacker that understands a play and moves two seconds before the play begins they know exactly the play happens and Roquan Smith has done that his entire collegiate career at Georgia and he has it in spades I mean he's a guy that he can run sideline to sideline he can he can mix it up with a guard. Uh, or just the the big boys of the offensive line. He he's not afraid to help in the run game, which is you know one of the biggest keys and one of the biggest struggles of linebackers for the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos themselves, you know, made it made it a priority publicly that they wanted to draft a linebacker high. I don't know if it's going to end up being number five high, but I do know that the Broncos would love a guy like Roquan Smith just because. You know, as far as the talent and the player that they are, like a guy like Roquan Smith or Brandon Marshall, I mean, you need that. And so for the Broncos to end up getting back to the epic defensive proportions of a 2015, you need a guy that can be a Danny Trevathan and a Brandon Marshall. Guys that are same in skill set in essence, but can have the ability to do both things. And for Roquan Smith, he has the ability to cover, you know, running backs. He has the ability to cover tight ends. Brandon Marshall has the ability to cover tight ends and cover running backs. It's just, if you have a blend of both that can do a variety of different things, it makes your defense that much better. And in some ways it wouldn't be surprising if the Broncos got a guy at five, because I mean, Shane Ray wasn't exactly a need. Uh, when the Broncos drafted him, he obviously fell too. But same with Bradley Roby, the Broncos didn't exactly need Bradley Roby. He fell too, but they ended up drafting him. So it, it might wor- end up working out in the end. I actually, honestly, value an inside linebacker like Roquan Smith. I, I put him up there with that of the value of a cornerback in today's NFL, with the athleticism of tight ends, the athleticism of running backs. To have a linebacker that you can leave on the field and know that they're going to do well against those kind of players, that they're going to be playmakers, both coming down in the run game, dropping back in coverage, being a leader on the the field. Luke Kukley, when he was coming out, oh my goodness, I was screaming at the TV for the Broncos to trade up to get him. Because the idea of him being in the middle of our defense and just leading the way and and just getting everybody right where they needed to be, the the instincts to know exactly where the play is going. I don't know how many times I watched him in college where he looked what the offense was set up as and he just goes, yep, it's going to the right. And he's like already taken three steps to the right before the ball's ever snapped. 
And so he's right there. He's, he's got the athleticism to make the play without having to take those few extra steps, but he's already there anyway. And I look at Roquan Smith and I see that very, very similar ability. I don't have him ranked as high as I did Kukli, but, but he's that, that next guy for me. And so I, of the players that we're talking about today, honestly, he might be my, my top guy. If the Broncos took him at five, that I would be happiest about. Uh, well, I would even say maybe the most logical aside from Quentin Nelson. I mean, because if the Broncos don't, if the Broncos don't end up taking a quarterback, I mean, there's buzz that they may end up trading back. So, I mean, the Broncos. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner could end up targeting Roquan Smith there in the teens if they do end up trading with Buffalo or whoever is on their radar I would love if we traded back and still was able to get him adding more draft picks plus getting a top player like Roquan Smith that would be a, a pretty other than quarterback that would be a very good situation very good dream scenario for the Broncos and before we move on here to the next guy because we're running starting to run a little long here which is what's what's new right uh, there were some talk. There is some talk that there is some talk that his medicals at the combine did not come back 100% clean. So that's something to watch going forward. We could see potentially if these medicals are really a concern, which I've heard mixed reports on this, that we could see a little bit of a Roquan Smith tumble, not very far, but potentially out of the top 10, which maybe might a, happen. Maybe like Miles Jack when he was a top five player. Not that far. Okay, but because it's not he's not coming off an ACL or something like that. But right. potentially, if those medicals are a concern, which I've heard again, mixed reports on this, he could fall out of the top ten. Okay, well let let me throw out a few names here before we move on, and just just put them how you would rank them: C.J. Mosley, Hassan Riddick, who you loved last year, Nick, Miles Jack, Anthony Barr, Ryan Chazier, and Roquan Smith. These have been some of the top taken. Off ball linebackers of the past about four or five drafts. How would you rank these guys? For me personally, I would have Ryan Shazier number one, followed by Roquan Smith, then CJ Mosley, then Anthony Barr. Actually, Anthony Barr over CJ Mosley. So An- Ryan Shazier, Roquan Smith, Anthony Barr, CJ Mosley, Hassan Reddick, and then Miles Jack, just because of that medical. I mean, there's there's a reason he tumbled down coming off that ACL. You weren't completely sure what you were going to get. So that was a, that was a reason. Also, there was talk that he would have a very short career because that knee. Right. Cam, how would you rank him? For me, I, the Ryan Shazier, I, Ryan Shazier being at number one, and I mean, that's, that's fine. It's just, I think his recent injury though, scares me off. Are so we talking, I, about, are we talking coming out though? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking okay. just coming out of college. 
Okay. Watching these guys, how would you rank them? Maybe Ryan Chaser number one, but for me, I would probably still go Anthony Barr at number one. Miles Jack, I think, was maybe he's probably number three, followed by Shazier, and then and then the others following. I, I just think that Anthony Barr, well, and I would probably even put Roquan Smith there at least in the top three or four, just because of where he is and where he is instinctually. I mean, you know, Reuben Foster, you know, even thinking about Reuben Foster. He might have been one of the more gifted linebackers coming out, but just the off the field and everything that was associated with him, you know, has now taken him off the board. So, I mean, so for, for a guy like Roquan Smith, I think that he very well could be in the top three. Me personally, I, I would agree with Nick. Ryan Chazier, I loved his just all-around game, his ability, uh, kind of like Kukli. He was he was right there with me for for ranking of a guy that can just, you can put him anywhere, you can put him on anybody, and he's going to perform well. I would put Roquan Smith second, just because, again, he he fits the NFL today. Anthony Barr, I love him, but I feel like he's more that downhill, come make a play in the backfield, wasn't always the greatest at dropping back in coverage. Didn't look as comfortable as what you see with Shazier and Smith coming out of college. Now, he's gotten better as he's gotten into the NFL, but again, that was just kind of a, a little bit of an unknown. Then I'd put C.J. Mosley, again, just all-around guy. I, he's just not as athletic as, as these other guys, but instincts-wise, very, very good. A guy you really like. Then I would go Hassan Riddick. He's one of those guys that had just this, this huge upside. But uh, again, he, he was just he was raw because he was asked to be a pass rusher most of the time before he came to the NFL. And then Miles Jack, just because of injury. Yep. But exactly. all, all guys I would be very happy to have on the Broncos, including Roquan Smith. Like I said, he's probably my top non-quarterback other than Chubb that the Broncos could add. Yep, agreed. Now, we still have a little bit to get to talk to here, some of these players, but we got to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, well, we're going to keep it on off-ball linebackers here, a guy that we kind of teased at, somebody that uh, Trevor Sykema, who writes for Peter Report and is a draft analyst as well, on Twitter called Tremaine Edmonds the Shadow Monster from Stranger Things Season 2, which I absolutely thought was hilarious because he has crazy size. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech, 6'5", 253 with... 34 and a half inch arms and nine and three inch hands. I mean, just, just a monster, a four, five, four, 40, 19 bench reps with that length and 117 broad jump. So this guy is an athletic specimen and the size and athleticism at the linebacker position is, I don't want to say it's never been seen before, but it is quite unique. It is somewhere up there with Anthony Barr and more athletic than a McKinney. Who's a very good inside linebacker for the Texans. Yeah, I, I love this guy. He and, and this is what blows me away. Is he he's still nineteen, isn't he? Yeah, he won't be yeah. twenty until May second, I believe. Oh my goodness. And so here's my thought when the idea of drafting this guy. So you draft him, he turns just twenty right after right after the draft. So his second contract with the team isn't until he's turning twenty five. 
I mean, he could be on his third contract and still in his 20s in the NFL. That That's something that, that you have to take into account, that this guy could really be around your team for the next 15 years as an inside linebacker and still be a very, very freak athlete that entire time with your team. So th- there's there's that added bonus with a player like him that you're getting him young. That was one thing when we drafted Von Miller, he was already 22. And when we got to the second contract, it was when he was 28. And, you know, it just that, that kind of thing you need to factor in. We talked about this a lot last year with, with Garrett Bowles, where he was 25 coming into the league. Offensive linemen don't age quite as quick, so you can still get him for that second contract and be fine. But, yeah, just watching this guy on tape has incredible sideline sideline ability with that speed. Even at that size, he has he has stop and go ability that he can really shadow a running back trying to get to the outside. And when they try to make their move, he does great at stopping and making the tackle. Very solid tackler. Does a great job shedding blockers. It just that there's so much to like. He's disruptive in coverage. He has that size to to really line up against six foot five to make tight ends even go, man, this guy is huge. And, and you just, there, there's a lot to like, but there's still being 19. He's still developing. And so you're kind of wondering, is he going to reach that potential that you want? I think he has a higher ceiling than Roquan Smith, but Roquan Smith is a guy that you can sit there and say, he's going to be plug and play day one. And you know, you're going to get a very, very good player on the field. Tremaine Edmonds, there's just going to be a a maturity question. I I have the same thing with Sam Darnold, or he is young. He's only 20. How's he going to handle coming to the NFL and being expected to be a star? And so there's just going to be a lot thrown at him. Can he handle it? His instincts are not quite there. He has some times where he gets flat footed. He can get reverse plays or cutbacks that there's a lot of things that can actually get him thrown off play action. There's times where he'll take a lot of false steps. So there's, there's more questions with Tremaine Edmonds, but there's higher upside. And that's a lot of what you have to weigh in the NFL draft is, is there's guys that are a little bit more proven. And then there's guys with higher ceilings and you, you just have to to figure out which way you're going to go as a, as a team. Yeah. And I think that that's why, I, I mean, as far as the bold prediction, you know, of saying that Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds might be a little bit better than Roquan Smith. For me, him actually having the ability to also rush the passer as well is the is basically the point that I, I, I do feel like he might end up being better than Roquan Smith. But, I mean, the, the obvious question is when he is 19, it's the, the, it's the immaturity factor. And not to the point where, I mean, you know, I actually do believe he's immature because I, I don't know. But, you know, coming into the league at 19, it, it, everything's going to be thrown at him. And will he be there mentally? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, that would be something certainly to consider. And so and that's why for me, and I want to go after a guy like a, a Roquan Smith, maybe between the two. I would tend to go with more of the Roquan Smith than Tremaine Emmons just because of the sheer thing. I mean, Carl Carl talked about it. So I, I feel like if I'm going after a guy that is around the same talent, I would probably go with the surest thing than something that could potentially backfire 
Roquan is a more instinctual player, and he's better in coverage. So that, to me, especially with what the Broncos have been lacking and where this league is going, that, to me, puts him up just a little bit over Tremaine Edmonds. I think both are definitely top 12 players, though, in this class. And I think both would have been off-ball linebacker one last season as well. As much as I liked Riddick, I don't think that he is the level of these two players. Yeah, and I think, too, do the Broncos actually want to – Edmonds is a phenomenal player. I mean, he wouldn't be considered in the top 10, top 13 picks, I mean, if he, if people didn't view him like that. But I, I do I do think that would the Broncos actually want to consider developing a player knowing that he's still raw in 19, I mean, versus a guy like Rokon Smith that they can just throw in there and potentially be there – John Mobley's Al Wilson, you know, combination in the future. Yeah, it would definitely be nice to get a guy like that in the front seven for the Broncos because they've really lacked a player like that. All right, well, moving it right along here, we're moving from the front seven to the back guys on that defense. Minka Fitzpatrick, the defensive back, safety nickelback from the University of Alabama, six foot one, two hundred one pounds, ran a four four six forty at the combine, fourteen bench reps, thirty three vertical, and one hundred and twenty one inch broad jump a guy who's been Mr. Everything for the Alabama Crimson Tide defense. And some people think is a top five, top 10 player in this class. And one of the best defensive back players we've seen in some time. I am personally not as high on him. He did win the Thorpe this year. He did win the Chuck Ben dark ward, but I think there are some issues in his game. And I think there are some limitations in his game. He's a good athlete, but he's not the, the Jalen Ramsey level athlete where he played safety for a great defense and then can project as an outside corner. I don't see that being Minka's role. I see Minka much more like a player like Mal- what Malcolm Jenkins is today for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a free safety, not a strong safety, but a free safety that can come down and play nickel and match up against tight ends, running backs, or slot corners as a nickelback. Now, that said, I wish he was a bit more physical coming downhill. Sometimes he's fine just corralling guys. He doesn't sort through the trash as well as I'd hope. And being a safety, especially a guy that is going to be left alone now, single high if you're playing free safety, especially in a cover one, I wish he was better coming down and just breaking down and wrapping guys up. A lot of times he's fine biting at those ankles or letting his Alabama teammates, at least what I saw on tape, uh, corral them if he gets in front of them. You know, he's not super aggressive and he doesn't drive that shoulder into guys' chest and stop their momentum. So granted, you know, we're talking, that's true for a lot of safeties, but we're talking about a top 10 pick at safety. So that's an issue for me. And also I think his skill set just, it overlaps what Justin Simmons does too much. You know, there's never too much of versatile guys in the back end that can play like that. But am I using a top five pick when I already have Justin Simmons back there who can be that free safety can come down and play some nickelback as well, which we saw him do pretty well in the Miami game this past year. I, I, I don't think so. So I, I love Minka Fitzpatrick. I think he's a very intelligent guy. I think he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. But with a fifth overall pick, heck, even a top 10 pick, personally, I'm not going that way. Yeah, and I think, too, even if he is that Sua Cravens type player, we already have a Sua Cravens, and the Broncos are pretty high on him. And so that's why I think that the possibility of the Broncos going after Minka Fitzpatrick is fairly low compared to the players that we mentioned above, I should say. And so I, I think that that's not to say that Mika Fitzpatrick could potentially have a role here, but I mean, it would be a different position. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, for what he is and what he is as a player, I think he's a really good player. 
but the potential I think of him potentially being that Jalen Ramsey or a keep to leave that some people have been comparing him to. It's just, it's asinine in some degree because the only way that he can ever get to that point is actually if he truly profiles like that player. And I don't think that Minka Fitzpatrick even remotely profiles a keep to leave. And I don't even think he remotely profiles Jalen Ramsey in that regard. So I, I 100% agree. There's two things for me that that give me pause when it comes to Minka Fitzpatrick of of missing out on him. One, his ability to to, to force turnovers. The Broncos have been missing that a lot. Akeem Talib is a guy that can make turnovers. Chris Harris isn't really a big turnover guy. He's more of that lockdown, just make it where you're never going to throw to that side of the field kind of guy. Darian Stewart at the free safety position, he's not really a big turnover guy. He's more of a come down, be a big hitter, be pretty smart back there, but there's times even he got caught out of position this year. Justin Simmons could be that kind of guy, but I don't think he's quite to the level of a Minka Fitzpatrick. And so I think you add him onto the team, and he is that guy that could really turn games just because of turnovers. He's that rangy, his ability to come down, make plays in the backfield, that kind of thing. And the second thing that he brings that the Broncos have been lacking so much on their entire team is that of leadership. They just don't have the leaders that they had. And then I think this is one of the most underrated things of that 2015 team. They had a lot of great leadership, obviously with DeMarcus Ware, Peyton Manning, but there was other guys, obviously with Danny Trevathan. I will continue to say this until my dying breath. (laughs) Danny Trevathan was the heart of that defense. His ability to, to come up with a big play when they absolutely needed one to be that guy that kept that intensity that when there was a mistake made, he was the guy to step up and say, we're not going to let another mistake happen. I just, I love what he brought to this Broncos team. And I thought he was very, very much missed the next year. Carl, we might fight on this. I have a question for you. Okay. Who was the bigger loss for the defense? Danny Trevathan or Malik Jackson? I will say Danny Trevathan. Wow. I thought I thought after working this podcast with me so long, I knocked some sense into you. <laughs> I guess I guess not. So I I'm I mean sorry, I get man. I get you from an emotional standpoint, but man, an interior pass rusher like Malik. I mean, look at the contracts, uh, and also look at the health of Danny Trevathan, which was a concern also. Well, I, I understand that, and I understand why they let him go. I understand why they picked Brandon Marshall over him. I I understand that completely. Long term, yes, I'd probably want Malik Jackson. Like you said, that interior pass rusher is something that's hard to find. That guy that can stay on the field in both the run and the pass, like he could. Everything that he brought to the table was great. But again, impact for that 2015 team, I would still say Danny Trevathan was a bigger impact player. I think you should ask Tom Brady. (laughs) And the, the, what is it, 12 QB hurries that Malik Jackson had in that AFC championship game? I, I understand that. I, I do. Again, I'm, I'm more, this is the, the non-statistic side of things. This is the emotional where you can't really judge how much a, a player meant or didn't mean to a team. Okay, okay. I, I just, like I said, I, Danny Trevathan, I have a soft spot for him because I just loved, loved that pick. I loved him on the field, everything that he brought. He just, every play, every game, he brought 100%. All right. Well, I, I can't say I'm 100% with you. 
in that regard. I like Danny Trevathan. I thought he was a good player, but I think Malik Jackson's just a more rare player and skill set and valuable skill set. But I hear you from the leadership standpoint. Now, speaking of leadership, you have the the coach on the field in Minka Fitzpatrick, but we're going for another guy who's apparently an incredible leader, an energy guy in the practice, in in the locker room, and that is Derwin James, safety from Florida State. 6'2", 215 pounds, ran a 4.4740, so bigger and faster than Minka, and just an overall dynamic athlete. He was a huge recruit get for Florida State and had an incredible freshman season. Unfortunately, his sophomore season was cut short in this past season. It looked like he was slow to start the season, but every single game that I watched him, I feel like a lot of people tuned out of Florida State because they were not very good after Francois got hurt, but watching Derwin James, I felt like he got a little bit better every single game, and by the end of the year, I thought he was the best safety in all of college football. And he is a guy that I think fits better for the Broncos defense. I don't think they will go safety with that fifth pick, but if they do trade down and let's say with the bills and Derwin's there at 12, I I would be about jumping at him. I think he fits in very well with what they're looking for. I think Darian Stewart is not long for this roster. Derwin James is a type. He's kind of, he's a, he's a best of both worlds. You know, he can play that deeper safety like fits or like Simmons, and he can play in the box like Cravens, but he is a strong safety to the core. And I think he can come down, he can match up in man coverage with tight ends and running backs. He is a big hitter. Some people compare him to Cam Chancellor. I don't think he's that big of a hitter, but I think he's more athletic. I think you can get away with him more in man coverage. And you get a safety trio of Justin Simmons, Derwin James, and Sua Cravens. And you are talking about the best safety trio in the NFL for the next five years. I'm not, I don't even think that's a stretch. I think they all complement each other very well. And I wouldn't be surprised if Derwin James is the best defensive player in this class when we're looking back on it 10 years from now. We have a, a friend of ours, Scott Porter, who was on the show with me one time. If you listeners remember, he, there, there have been two safeties that he has absolutely pounded the table for Ed Reed and Derwin James. And the, the, the idea that he's not obviously Ed Reed, he's a very different kind of player, but that kind of impact from the safety position. Oh my goodness. You, you would absolutely love that. You would take that to the bank. I mean, obviously having a hall of fame player on the, the back end of your defense would just be incredible. And I, I love Derwin James. I agree with you. I think he's the better fit for the Broncos and he, he's, He's a different kind of leader, I think, than Minka Fitzpatrick. I think Minka is more, hey, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to be very, very intelligent. And other players are going to see that and see the work that I put into it. And they're going to respond to that. Derwin, I think, is the kind of guy that when he speaks, everybody listens. He has that kind of personality that everybody's just in awe of. And, and just looks up to, and, and when they need a guy that's going to speak in, in a very difficult situation where you're fourth quarter needing to make a stop, everybody's going to look to Derwin and see how he responds. And he's one of those guys that's just going to, he's going to go make a play for you. And other, everybody else is going to be like, if he's making plays, I got to go make plays too. So I would love him. There is some concern with it. I mean, he had the injury with the ACL and like you said, he started out a little bit slow this year, but you saw obviously that that got healed up pretty good. But uh, th- there's there's just not a whole lot of concern with him other than the injury. Every once in a while, he can get caught out of position. But otherwise, there's just so much to like about his game. 
like you said, he can drop back in coverage. He can do man coverage. He can do zone coverage. I watched it on one play where he was in zone coverage and he did perfect transition where the guy was leaving his zone. He saw that his teammate was picking up that guy, came back, saw that there was a guy cutting across the field right into where his zone began. And he just closed that gap where the quarterback didn't even have a chance to throw that pass. They were trying to get two people into his zone, get him confused on who he was supposed to be covering. He played it perfect. So I would love this addition. I would love it more if we traded back and got him. Because like you said, just that safety position, it's not one. It's not a huge need for the Broncos right now. Of, Of all the positions that the Broncos have, I would put safety very, very far down on the list of, of need. But again, if you're talking about just adding talent, if you're talking about adding guys that you think could really have that 10, 15 year career, and you're looking back and saying, we do not regret that pick one bit. Derwin James is one of those guys. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were talking about it. The one word that, you know, is, is evidence between Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick is consistency. And, and I think with uh, with Derwin that it's just the consistency more so. And the fact that I think that he absolutely fits what the Denver Broncos love. You know, and I, I think if you if you look at the two defensive players um, that fit the Bronco mold, whether it's a cornerback or, you know, a safety, you know, like Derwin James, it's Derwin James or Isaiah Oliver. Guys that just – they absolutely play with their hair on fire as a safety or a, or a cornerback guys that, you know, don't leave really any room for air as far as, you know, in their coverage and, and just fiery competitors. So I think that, you know, between Derwin James and Isaiah Oliver, if you have the opportunity to get those guys in the mid in as far as a mid pick, if there is a trade back, then absolutely without, without, without any, shadow of a doubt I would absolutely take Derwin James or Isaiah Oliver and you know there's rumblings that he could potentially be there in the second round but I I just would take those guys because it just it absolutely fits what the Broncos do all right well let's move on to our final player of this of this podcast and this is a guy I've actually seen him mock to the Broncos quite a few times lately and it kind of shocks me every time I see it and maybe it shouldn't because it is a position of value. It is a little bit of a position of need. And he is a very talented player. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But anyway, that is Denzel Ward, cornerback of Ohio State. Five foot 10, 191 pounds, ran a 4-3-240, had 16 on the bench, 39-inch vertical, 136 broad jump, was a first-team All-American, and just by most considered the, the very top cornerback in this draft. Now, some, it depends on the, the scheme type that you run. If you're not a man team, if you're more of a zone team, he's probably not your guy. If you like those bigger cornerbacks, obviously being five foot ten, he's not your guy. But I love Lance Zerloin's NFL comparison for him, Chris Harris. And anytime you see that as a Bronco fan, obviously you got to pay attention because Chris Harris, one of the best cornerbacks the Broncos have ever had in their, their franchise's history. There's other guys I'd rank above him, obviously, but one of the best diamonds in the rough the Broncos have ever found for their team. And 
adding Denzel Ward, that kind of cornerback to this team and then keeping that cornerback group solid or well, really good, actually, with Roby now getting that opportunity to start. Denzel Ward getting that chance to either play in the in the slot or outside. Chris Harris, wherever you want to play him, obviously. But this guy, he's, he's got a fire to him. He's a sticky player. He's a guy that can really even kind of bait a quarterback into a bad throw. Can play inside, outside, has fluid hips. He just he doesn't leave any room for anybody to run. He's great in run support, even though he's smaller. But I, I guess does it shock either of you two that he's being considered for that top five pick for the Broncos? Personally, for me, I think that it ha- it speaks more volumes to the lack of an elite elite corner like last year. He's not Marshawn Lattimore, who I believe was the 11th pick. He should have been the fifth pick. He should have gone to the Titans fifth overall. He was that good. But here we are. What can you do? Titan's going to tighten, I guess. But I think it speaks to the the value of cornerback and the lack of elite players at position of value at the top of this class. So he's the best cornerback in this class, in my opinion. I think he's much more of a Jason Verrett slash Pac-Man Jones than a Chris Harris. He is, I mean, I like cornerbacks who are sticky, and the word that I like to use for them is pests. Guys that are always in your hip pocket as a receiver, and no matter which way you try to go, he's just right on you. And that's Denzel Ward for me. But at five overall, I think that his problems with size, his issues challenging at the catch point against bigger receivers, I mean, just go to the Indiana game against Simi Cobbs Jr. for prime example one. He struggles too much against those big boundary guys, and it's going to be an issue with possession guys. It's going to be an issue with the red zone receivers. So personally, I would not take him at five because I think he's going to have issues there. He's not a true number one corner, but if you're looking for a man corner who can play inside-outside and can be a true complement to a longer press corner on the outside, he is going to be a damn good one in the league. So if the Broncos, again, at five, I would not take him, but if you're trading back, from 8 to 12, and he's there, I I am happy with the pick. You know, for me, it's also going into the college game a little bit. It's, it's also a huge testament to the Ohio State program, you know, because as far as consistency and, you know, just e- even with the whole consistency of the whole position of cornerback, Ohio State might end up being corner, one of the few schools that's cornerback you. I mean, you know, the days of Bradley Roby and Marshawn Lattimore and and now Denzel Ward. It's just there's that one. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins would be another one. You know, it's just that team that has just been so consistent producing NFL caliber secondary players. And so guys like Denzel Ward are going to end up fitting the bill and probably and will probably last a long time in the National Football League just because of how well that program has just coaches their players. And so a guy like Denzel Ward, if he can go to the right team, like just say the Denver Broncos, you know, much like a Derwin James, a guy that could potentially fit the Broncos to a T, then absolutely. I mean, I I don't know if it would be the fifth pick ultimately, but I mean, then again, there's been buzz that Denzel Ward might end up being the pick for the Browns at four. So he could end up potentially being that guy at five if the Broncos were to go that route. But I just feel like there's just more pressing needs to where they need to go. Well, and here I am on, I'm, I myself am personally bounding, pounding the table to 
take a quarterback at five, but I mean, I'm flexible to the point where, you know, they should at least consider the non quarterbacks, I guess. So I wouldn't be upset if they drafted any, either one of these guys, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's been interesting to watch Denzel Ward's rise in the draft. I think a lot of people, when they first started looking at him, they just looked at the overall body and they just said, he's five foot 10, 191 pounds. He's a slot cornerback. Must not be a guy that's going to be a top 10 pick. So you don't use a top 10 pick on a slot cornerback. And then people started watching his tape and going, oh, this guy is actually really, really good. He just, he's there every single time. And I think that's one of the things that I love most about him is he just, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't guess wrong very often. That was one thing with Bradley LaRoby when he was coming out that there were times where he got too aggressive. He'd get beat on a, a double move. He would try to just allow his athleticism to to win plays where Denzel Ward, he's athletic as, as can be, but he's also very, very technically sound. So I love it. But again, yeah, top five pick, not really where I'd want the Broncos to go. If they, like Nick said, if they trade back, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm good with keeping that cornerback group strong, making three guys that quarterbacks just sit there and say, dang it, there's nobody open and just having to throw it away, letting our pass rushers get there. And it's it just, I love keeping our defense strong. I, I think as much as everybody wants the Broncos to, to really add to the offense and they need to, I still would rather them not neglect the defense. There's a lot of defensive players here with this first overall pick, or not first overall, but the first round pick for the Broncos that I think would be be huge additions to this team and could keep them very, very strong. Chubb, obviously, one that, that a lot of people are very interested in. Roquan Smith, Denzel Ward, Derwin James, all these guys are ones that added to this defense, add something big to them and keep them as one of the stronger units in the NFL. So great group of players. I think this is one of those those really tough podcasts because it's almost like admitting there's a chance that we are not going to get our quarterback, that we're not going to get the biggest impact that we could possibly get. The, the Broncos are in that weird spot there at five where they are really having to watch what everybody else does in front of them. And, and like I said, right now, it's hard to know exactly where they're going. The Giants, I don't know. It seems like about every player has been mocked to them at some point. And I don't know if they even know who they want because uh, they're kind of in that limbo of we have Eli Manning, a two time Super Bowl winning quarterback. How do you move on from him? I mean, you look at the last year when he was benched for a game, the, the uproar of the fans. So can you admit that you are moving into a new era or do you want to try to capitalize with that Super Bowl winning quarterback? And, and see what you can do. If you add an impact player like a Barkley, like a, a Chubb to that defense after they lost JPP, th- there's, there's a lot of different directions that they could go. They could trade out of it with the Bills who have been rumored to – I mean, it's not, it's not a rumor. It's, it's, you know they want to get up there. That's why they've tried to get the picks that they have and tried to move clear up. I mean, they're up at 12. They're trying to get higher up. But there's just so many question marks, and we're, we're less than two weeks out. That's what's crazy is how much we do not know about the top five right now. Yeah. So not to be that guy, but I mean, it's of all the players, you know, that we, we talked about, you know, Denzel Ward, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, Saquon Barkley, Roquan Smith, you know, all these guys. 
is there one player, Quentin Nelson, is there one player that is of all the logical candidates that could potentially be picked at five? Is there one player that we could gear it towards? And for me, it would probably just be the non-sexy pick. It would probably be Quentin Nelson. I'm going to cheat and go with a guy that we didn't really talk about so much. We probably should have, but due to time constraints, we didn't. But Bradley Chubb, <laughs> that's definitely cheating, I know. But I, I think Bradley Chubb, there's no way he gets past four based on everything I've heard. It's like he's either going two or four, but he's the best edge rusher in this class. He's kind of a Joey Bosa light where he's a, a technician, very strong, an edge setter. And a really good fit, not for the Broncos base three, four so much, but rather for the sub package, which honestly is becoming the the biggest part of defenses these days. You know, more defensive backs out there, the better because teams are playing with three wide receivers more than ever. So Bradley Chubb, I think, is the number one non quarterback guy on my board. And if he's there for the Broncos at five and they don't want to go quarterback, I think that's the pick because as we've talked about, Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett might not be on this roster for very much longer and you get a guy like Bradley Chubb you can pair with Von Miller for the next five years I mean that's that's exactly what you want so besides Bradley Chubb who we didn't talk about so much on this podcast if you guys have anything about him throw it out there besides him though it's a tie for me with Roquan Smith and Quentin Nelson at five that being said I think I'd rather trade down from five if you're not going quarterback and somebody wants to come up and get a quarterback I'm gonna go Roquan Smith I said it earlier that he would be the one guy that I would kind of do a little little fist bump or a little fist pump. That's the word I'm looking for. Unless my wife's there, then I'll give her a fist bump. <laughs> but no, Roquan Smith. Actually, I'm going to be watching the the first round of the of the draft with one of our listeners, and um, I'm very very excited. He invited me to his house. Uh, he's going to make me some food and told me not to bring anything. So I'm I'm very very excited for that. So shout out to him. But I, yeah, Roquan Smith, I just love what he'd bring to our defense, that leadership, that intensity, that athleticism, the instincts. There's just so much to like about him. And I have wanted that inside linebacker that you can plug in there and just be that star player for us, that that Kukli, that Ryan Shazier kind of player for us. I just feel like our defense has really been missing that. I, I like I like the guys we have, but I don't love them. They're, they're replaceable. They're, Brandon Marshall is... is Good, not great. Todd Davis is a very good run stuffer, but he can be abused in in the pass game. And he's just, again, another guy that you you can replace pretty quickly. You can upgrade. And I, I just, that's an area that our defense really struggled last year. We gave up the most touchdowns to running backs and tight ends combined than any other team in the NFL last year. That should be a stat that really, really sticks out to Bronco fans. Because I know as much as we focus on the offense, if you want to fix the defense, it is the middle of the field that has to be fixed. And do you have anything specific about Bradley Chubb since we're not going in super in-depth? Probably a little bit of an oversight and a, a time excuse here that we couldn't get him in. He's. I love what he'd bring to the Broncos day one. I, I've talked about it on here of getting that second great pass rusher opposite of Von Miller, how much that would mean to the team. The, I look at the Chargers and what they can do of mixing and matching their guys of Joey Bosa and and, and Irvin and and they they just that's such a good combo and so if you have a weak tackle or two tackles you are going to get destroyed by that defense and right now Von Miller there was no player that was double team more than Von Miller this last year. That's how little teams respected the other guys 
or or maybe it's how much they respected Von Miller. I think it's a combo of both, but we just don't have that guy. I know there's a lot of people who are really hoping Shane Ray can really come out of his shell this year, that he can stay healthy and get on the field and really be that impact player. But I just, I have my doubts about that. And Shaq Barrett, he's, he's a better as a role player. We've talked about ad nauseum on this show, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But Bradley Chubb, he just brings an intensity. He brings technician. He brings a guy that you know what you're getting. I, the, the safest players in this draft to me are Quentin Nelson and Bradley Chubb. You know what you're getting from them. It might not be all pro, but you know you're at least going to get good. And you want to get good. Yeah, I, I would even add Roquan Smith to that mix as far as safest picks in the in the draft as well. You know, Philadelphia and, well, the Broncos of 2015, evidence that you need the multiple pass rush help. So if it just sure happens, Nance, that Chubb is there at five, he would have to be the pick. I mean, unless they are Gugu and Gaga over Quentin Nelson or whoever else is there at five or – if it just ends up being a quarterback, but if they, I mean, Chubb has to be the player because I mean, again, they had Von Miller, you know, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, DeMarcus Ware, all those guys that were, had incredible depth of pass rushers. And with Philadelphia, with the plethora of pass, of pass rushers that they had um, during their Super Bowl run, it's, it's a, it's absolutely a need to have an incredible amount of pass rushers. And if you can have that on the Denver Broncos and have a pretty good one at that and a good one that could be that soon to be Von Miller heir for at least a few years, if Von Miller wasn't here, then absolutely you, you 100% have to take Bradley Chubb if he is magically there at five. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this extra bonus episode of the Huddle Up 2018 NFL Draft Podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, Cameron at Cameron Parker PO, and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and a CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' latest articles related to all things Denver Broncos, not just the draft. However, obviously, this time of the year, very draft-heavy. And Cam, since you're on here, we got to give you a little bit of a Kind of like when you went, went around the horn, got 15, 30 seconds here. What are you working on lately and what's going on in your life? Well, you know, uh, as as always, I am the host of the Cameron Parker Show. You guys can follow that show handle at CP underscore show. We This month of April is just a busy time for the whole show. And we're going to be doing a mock draft April the entire month where we have, you know, hosts come on or, or myself just dedicate an entire broadcast to picking one through 32. Uh, it, it's an exciting time just because it's April. It's it's that month as we get closer to the draft. So the best way to engage our audience and gauge the audience is to do the best way possible and to get mock drafts galore. And, um, you know, I, I did one with you, Nick, and hope to do one with Carl. And I did one with uh, Sarah Benninger uh, as well. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting time for the show. And um I, I'm very uh, fortunate to even have you guys on the show as well and very blessed to be a part of the Mile High um, Huddle Up podcast. And Carl, what's the latest with you? What do you have coming out? I am mostly focusing on the draft right now. It's, it's, I mean, that's just kind of where football is at. And so I got a lot of draft-related articles coming out, player profiles, guys that I think are good matches, not good matches for the Broncos, where they're going to go, I think, in the draft. And uh, so I'm excited those should be coming out in the next couple of days. 
Awesome, awesome. And I just worked on a piece today. It got published while we were doing this podcast. I interviewed West Georgia offensive line coach and graduate assistant coach, uh, Russell Casso, who is with West Georgia, and coach Desmond Harrison, who is a very interesting offensive tackle prospect. And I just dropped the interview article that I had with him about Desmond Harrison, who is a very interesting offensive tackle that the Broncos very well may look at late day two, early day three on draft. And honestly, with this tackle class and how athletic, crazy athletic Desmond Harrison is, he might end up being the best offensive tackle in this class when we're looking back five, 10 years from now. So we'll see about that. Make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each and every week from team building, game planning, and 365 days a year of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler and Cam Parker, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile high huddle.